we welcome you and on, a, on a cold and frosty morning. So let's uh, um, turn to the Lord for a moment and, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we meet in his name. And we, uh, we look to him this morning to guide us, to help us, that as we look into your word, it may uh, cheer the hearts of believers and warm our hearts and give us a desire to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk with him. And for any who are here this morning and they're either unsure or they know they do not know him personally, Lord, may what is shared and through the working and calling of the Holy Spirit, may they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. May they fully trust in him the one who has given himself for us. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning, uh, I'm going to, this is my final message on the theme. It's part nine of the master theme of the Bible, the um, study of the, of the, the Lamb. Um, so... You will look, and perhaps you don't read the first page when we stick up our PowerPoint stuff, but um, I, this is the second one I had to send to the chapel because the first one had the wrong date on it. It was from November. That's what happens when you cut and paste. Um, but you'll look and see what my text is this morning. So if you have your Bible, you're probably going to be busy. Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation chapter 22. So pray for me. That's a whirlwind. That is like, that is, I don't know. I, I think I felt at the end of this last night, I must be close to the brink of insanity to take on such a, a large thing. So for many of you and some of you, this is kind of a review and leading to something. But for a lot of people, I looked when I started, it was back in 2020 that we started talking about the lamb. So... I'm not giving you guys a lot of credit because I'm thinking that you've probably forgotten a lot of things. So uh, some have, I mean, Ime can probably tell you whatever I opened with the first time, but the rest, nah, I don't think you remember. So if, it's, if it is a review and it's like, oh boy, he's said this before a thousand times, I apologize, but Paul always said, I remind you, I remind you, I remind you. And throughout the scriptures, you get the I remind yous of scripture so that uh, you remember. I watched an interesting um, little video uh, about 10 days ago from uh, Jordan Peterson, as some of us have, are aware of who Jordan Peterson is, and uh, it was on the Bible. Very, very interesting. Now, this man, as far as I know, was not a believer, but his assessment of the Bible was amazing. He's bang on. He understands what the Bible is, clearly. And as a foundation of all truth. Um, so <laughs> I, the, the, the title in red is something I've kind of stolen from him. The Bible is not a book. You hold in your hands, whether it's this or this, a library. You hold a library in your hands. It is 66 books. More than 40 different authors composed over 1,500 years, written in three languages, not English, 
Aramaic, Hebrew, and Greek. Written on three continents. Parts of Jeremiah, I understand, were written in Egypt. So some of it written in Egypt. Some of it written in Europe, many of the epistles. And much of it written in, in Asia, in Israel. What's interesting is, I'd like you to go to the library someday, if you could, with a shopping cart, and select from the shelves 66 books where all the authors agree on a central theme. I think that's impossible. But here you have 66 books where all of the authors agree on the theme. What are the themes? The holiness of God runs throughout the whole Bible. The character of God. We get to know what God is like by reading our Bible. We really get to know a lot about man, the sinfulness of man, the wretchedness of man. That from the beginning, from, from, from birth, man is a sinful creature. We also learn right from the start that salvation comes through faith. And we also realize that Jesus Christ is the central theme of the Bible. Jesus himself said this, and if you remember in Luke chapter 24, as he's walking along, he meets a couple of disciples who are just like they're downtrodden, they're dejected, and they're walking on this road that goes to a place called Emmaus. And as he walks along with them, and he listens to them, and they said like, dude, are you the only guy who's not been around and heard this about Jesus of Nazareth? how he was put to death on a cross, like our hope was in him. And when he finally had enough, he said, all right, you wanna know about Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, it, it says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the thing, in all the scriptures, all the things concerning him. All of the scriptures, are concerned with Jesus Christ, either recording historically in the Gospels, pointing to him from the Old Testament, or the future of his coming, as you'll see in Revelation and through the epistles. So this is the book that I looked at, the master theme of the Bible. We will continue this morning. It is one of the central themes as seen from the beginning to the end, and I'm gonna take you through this. In um, Revelation chapter um, 13, verse 8, there's an amazing verse here. It says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, that's the beast who is to come, whose, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You see, before this earth was created, before its foundations were laid, there was going to be a lamb. There was going to be a lamb who was going to be slain for the entire human race. That plan wasn't like, oops, Adam sinned, we gotta come up with something here, what are we gonna do? No, no, the plan was established before the earth was established. This goes back into eternity. It goes back into something that supersedes time. Jesus Christ was going to come, and Jesus Christ was going to die. And this verse in Revelation makes it clear. All scriptures point to the Lamb from eternity to eternity. And I want to follow that path this morning. I want to take this one more opportunity to point to the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world and who will reign forever. It is the hope for the sinner 
and it is a blessed hope for every believer. So first of all, beginning with Moses, the lamb in the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, Pent five. These are the books recorded by Moses. And beginning with Moses, he says, in Luke chapter 24. What is, well, I can't tell you, I can't ask the question now because I put it up here. The darkest day for, for mankind. The darkest day for the human race. The darkest day in history, I believe, was that Friday on the cross when man put God himself on a cross and nailed him there. But the darkest day for mankind, for us as humans, was the day that Eve in that garden listened to the serpent who said, did God really say? And questioned the word of God. And it says here, it says, in the first verse, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took and ate. And she gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? And he said, he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The darkest day. Man had always enjoyed a walk with God in the garden. The Lord would come and he'd walk in the cool of the day through the garden with men. And now here's a day, uh-oh, the Lord is here. I must hide myself. Why? Because sin had set in upon the human race. And that sin has passed from Adam to Poppy. Every single one of us, every single one of us, it's like sin is in our DNA. It has come from Adam, it's come to us. It's come to every single human being. So how do we get out of this mess? How do we get out of this? Well, right away. Genesis chapter three, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, which would be all beasts, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And if that's not bad enough, it says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her, notice this, capital seed, right? S, seed, capital S, seed. I will put enmity between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head or crush your head, it says in other versions, and you shall bruise his heel. So right away, immediately after sin had fallen on this world, God promised a deliverer, a rescuer. So that was fulfilled. Revelation chapter 12 and chapter and, uh, 22 and 3. In uh, Revelation, sorry, Revelation, I, I probably should have taken that 12 out of there, I think. So Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were finished. But after this, these things he must release, 
be released for a little while. The doom has been made clear. This is a future day. That serpent whose head was crushed the day that Jesus Christ died on that cross and said it is finished will have his final day when he will be cast forever into the bottomless pit, into the lake of fire. We have a way out of this mess through this rescuer that is to come. Secondly, we read in the Pentateuch in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 10, that only a lamb is acceptable. A lamb is required. Remember Cain and Abel. Cain was the first one born. And Cain was a, a, a farmer who worked the ground. Abel raised sheep. And somehow they knew, probably because Adam saw the Lord God provide clothing from, from sheep for them, when a lamb was slain to make a covering for them, when, when that took place, they probably knew from that that God needed a sacrifice. So Cain brought some fruit that he grew. He brought some, maybe some mangoes, maybe some watermelons, maybe, maybe some tomatoes, and he, and he put them on an altar and said, Lord, look at this beautiful fruit that I grew. It's yours. His younger brother Abel brought a lamb, slaughtered it and put it on the altar and gave it to God. See, the problem with that is Cain thought, I'm going to come to God. I know, I know it's supposed to be a lamb sacrifice. I know it's supposed to be that. But you know what? I'm going to do it my way. I worked so hard for this fruit. God needs to see how hard I worked. God needs to recognize the hard work I've put in to providing something for him. I think I'll go on my terms. Cain was a religious man. He's a picture of the religious person who thinks that they can get to God through religion on their own terms. I will go to God, but I'm going to do it my way. I, 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 I'm a good person. I don't hurt anybody. In fact, I give money to good charities. I, 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 I treat my neighbors well. I treat my wife well. And you know what? Good on you for doing all of those things. It will not get you one second in heaven, though. It will not find you one second of favor with God. God requires blood of a sacrifice of a lamb. And so God looks at this. Did he strike Cain dead? No. And see, I, I, was, I was reading the lyrics of a song the other day, not a, not a, not a Christian song, and I thought, wow, this is such a, such a gross distortion of what God is like. God is not standing there, sitting there, whatever, with a hammer, ready to just pound it down on everybody. You see, God says to Cain, right here, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Cain, I'll give you another chance. Now that you know the truth, now that you know the way and the truth, Get an animal and sacrifice him. But Cain said, no, I will kill my brother instead. This taught us that a lamb is required. A lamb is required. God is a God of second chances, but he requires a lamb to cover sin. It's the consistent message of the Bible. If you want to meet God, you must meet him on the basis of a lamb. The third thing 
we see in Genesis again, the lamb as a substitute. We all know that story. Abraham had a son, the promised one, Isaac. He's an old, old man. Take your son Isaac. Walk him up Mount Moriah. Take wood. Take fire. Take a big knife. Sacrifice your son to me. Abraham did it. I read, the, I read the Genesis part and I think, how could Abraham have done that? But Hebrews tells me what Abraham was thinking. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. And even if I do kill my son, God is going to give him back to me. He will resurrect him because he made a promise through him and I trust God and I trust God's promises. But so he takes, Abraham, or he takes Isaac and he puts him on this altar. Before that, Isaac said, Dad... We've got wood, we've got fire, you got a knife there, that, that part I'm adding in. Where's, where's the lamb? And Abraham's answer was, who can tell me what the answer was? That was in, thank you for interpreting that tongue I just heard from everybody else. Yes, God shall provide himself a lamb. There is so much packed into those little words. God shall provide a lamb. A lamb provided as a substitute. God shall provide himself a lamb. The lamb of God. Jesus Christ. God himself. The lamb of God. As our substitute. As Abraham raised that knife over Isaac, he stopped. The angel of the Lord says, stop. Whoa. God knows. God knows you would do this. Look over here, and here's a ram in the thicket, a substitute for Abraham, or for Isaac, rather. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ is similar in that picture, but he's even better. There was no substitute for Jesus as a sacrifice. He did take the cross. He did die. He was offered up for you. God the Father experienced only what Abraham came close to experiencing. The lamb was provided for Isaac to take his place, and God has provided a lamb for you. Have you accepted that sacrifice? Have you thanked God? Have you, have you turned to him and accepted the sacrifice that he has given for you? You deserve to die. You deserve, because of your sins. The soul that sinneth dies, is what the scripture says. You deserve that. But God has provided a lamb to take your place. He has already died for you. And if you accept him, you are free from that sentence of death. I'll spend a couple of minutes here. A lamb that was slain. This is the, this is the Passover lamb. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 12. It's too long a passage for us to read this morning. I apologize, we don't have many hours. It's a wonderful, wonderful passage. Exodus chapter 12. If you're taking notes, mark that down. If you have your Bible, flag it, bookmark it, whatever, and go back and read this. There are so many pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ in this lamb that is offered. You may be smiling because he, he knows I've been listening to uh, the messages on Jesus in the Old Testament finding Jesus in the Old Testament. I, I, I listened to something on this a while back, and, and there are so many pictures 
So many pictures of the Lord Jesus in the Old Testament. But the one that screams the most, the one that just shouts to me more than anything else, is this picture of the Passover. I'll take you back for a second to give you a recap. Remember the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They were in bondage. Moses came to deliver them, finally. Moses is going to lead them out. But there's one more plague that has to happen to soften the hard heart of Pharaoh. To say, okay, all right, you can go. God said, I will kill the firstborn. Every firstborn in the land. However, for the Israelites, if you kill a lamb... You take the lamb into your home. You take him in for a number of days. You slaughter that lamb. You take hyssop and you put it on the doorposts and the lintel, lintel at the top of your door. I will pass over your home. I will not kill your firstborn. And then you will be delivered from, from bondage. So the first thing is this lamb was taken out. He was slain. It was a lamb. This is, I'm, I'm going to give you some points on how it relates to Jesus. He was a lamb, a sheep or a goat. Jesus is called the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was a male lamb. Now, don't get all feminist on me or anything like that over this. He was a male lamb. Why? Because Jesus rec- represented Adam, the male head of the human race. It had to be a male lamb. It had to be without spot or without blemish. It had to be just like spotless, impeccable. The Lord Jesus Christ, impeccable. No sin in him, ever. It was a substitute for the firstborn. In reality, it's a substitute for all. Jesus Christ is a substitute for us all. The substitute lamb for us all. When God sees his blood, he will pass over you. Judgment will not fall upon you. They couldn't break his bones, the bones of this lamb. It says of Jesus, not a bone of his was broken. In fact, when he died on that cross and they came by to to break the bones of the other, I mean, crucifixion is a horrible, horrible death in and of itself. But what they would do sometimes is, as they're still there, and and crucifixion usually took days for for the person to die. And they would take like a sledgehammer and they would come up and they would just smash their legs so they can no longer pull themselves up on the spikes. And they would just collapse and die. And they came to Jesus and they were going to do this, but prophetically it was said of him that not a bone of his would be broken. He is God. He controls when he's alive, when he's not, as a man. And he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He gave up his ghost. He gave up his spirit. He died of his own accord. They did not break a bone that the scriptures might be fulfilled. That's another thing you can do. Go through the scriptures and find so that the scripture might be fulfilled, or as it is written. Highlight those. It's amazing. The lamb was slain. The lamb must die. The blood was placed. It had to be applied. You need to apply the blood to your heart. You need to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life. If you did not apply the blood to your doors on that day, your firstborn male died. It was guaranteed. If you do not apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life, as the one who died to set you free and to wash you clean in his own blood, you will die, spiritually, forever, the second death. But here's the opportunity to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life 
and, to, and he will pass over you. Judgment will pass over you. And it was applied with hyssop, which is interesting. Hyssop in, indicates cleansing. In Psalm 51, David, in repentance of what he had done with Bathsheba, says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. So this blood was applied with a, with a cleansing application. The blood of the cross of Jesus Christ is to cleanse us from sin, to cleanse us from all sin. The blood is applied, without the application of the blood, God will not pass over your sin. He will not look the other way. The lamb had to be eaten, not only sacrificed, but consumed. Each person in the house had to consume the lamb. In order to be saved, you personally have to take Jesus as your own savior into you. John chapter 6, verse 51 says in the ESV, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. It also says that none of the lamb could remain until morning. That's an interesting verse. Because in John chapter 19, um, we read that Jesus could not remain on the cross. John chapter 19, verse 31 says, therefore, because it was the preparation days that the bodies could not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was the high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. The, the lamb could not remain in the home the next day. Jesus was not going to remain on a cross. I've got to really speed along here. The lamb for atonement. This is an interesting one, because when we read this, it says in, uh, this, is in this account is in Leviticus chapter 6, 16. It says that Aaron shall bring the goat, which is a representative of the lamb, on which the Lord's lot fell for a sin offering. So one goat is offered up as a sin offering. But on the goat that the lot fell to be the scapegoat, he shall be presented alive to make atonement for it and let to let the scapegoat go into the wilderness. No, so what happens here is the first lamb is offered as an atonement for sin. The second goat is taken. The sins are pronounced by the priest on the head of that goat. And then the goat goes into the wilderness never to return. It's such a picture, such a clear picture of the cross. It is so clear to picture what goes on at the, what went on at the cross. First of all, you have atonement, payment of a debt it's satisfied by the goat that is sacrificed. The debt is paid. The sacrifice is made. And then you have expiation is the other word. That the sins are removed. The goat is released in the wilderness. He takes away the sin. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I'll get to that in a few minutes. Are you trying to atone for your own sins? Are you trying to pay for your own are you trying to work your way into heaven for salvation? It won't work. The payment has already been made. I, uh, I got one of my credit cards this week, and I think I must have made a mistake because to my horror, absolute terror and horror, I saw the little word interest charge. 60 cents. 60 cents. I thought, what did I do that I incurred 60 cents of, of interest debt on my credit card. I think what I did was I paid something on another card or something, something or I thought it was a debit, then I crinkled it up and threw it out. But I thought, wow. But there's the difference. You see, these offerings of the Old Testament were like a credit card. 
you go out, you buy something, and you think, ah, oh, this is so nice. I've got this. It's, it's, isn't this beautiful? I'll, I'll, I'll give it to my little granddaughter. But you know what happens 30 days later? I get the bill for it. And then I'm thinking, ooh, I don't have the money for that today. And then I let it go another 30 days. It's built up interests at about 21%. And then another 30 days, there's interest on that interest. You know that's what happens with our sin. We commit a sin, and we could go to a priest back in the day, and the priest would offer a lamb, but your sin didn't go anywhere. Your sin was still with you, and it just built up interest. But you see, what Jesus Christ did was like a debit card. When I take a debit card and pay for something, it's mine. It's paid for. It's done. Never to come back to haunt me again. The cash has been paid. It's clear and free. It's done. When Jesus died on the cross, his sacrifice was like paying it with a debit card. The debt has been paid, paid in full, never to come back. Jesus Christ is both the mercy seat and the scapegoat on your behalf. He has died for your sins and he has taken away your sins. You need to accept him. I want to go to the Lamb and the Prophets. There are two prophets that I'm going to highlight today. The first one is the prophet Isaiah. This is the pinnacle of messianic prophecy in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53. Next to Ephesians 2, I don't know, it's probably a tie. Ephesians 2, Isaiah 53, at our Lord's Supper here. We, we speak of this all the time because it prophetically points ahead and it introduces to us a lamb that is a he. Up to this point, a lamb is an it. You are to sacrifice it. You are to kill it on a certain day. You are to take its blood. Now we read of a lamb that is a he. It is a person. It is a sovereign servant. It is a suffering servant, a sinless person, a, a silent person, silent as he went before, as a sheep before its shearers, a substitutionary sa- servant, and a saving servant. One verse. Well, th- Three verses, actually. He is despised and rejected by men. This is Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 5. He is despised and rejected by men. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Despised, rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. It's a he. The lamb is a he. There are so many things that I could say about this. This was written about 500 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth. And yet it so clearly, it so clearly points to him. Also, Prior to this, in Psalm chapter 22 is one of the clearest prophetic writings that depicts the suffering and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross as the Lamb of God offered for your sacrifice. It opens and closes with statements by Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Very words that Jesus used from the cross. It was written by David, but it was not written about David. A thousand years before Jesus Christ was crucified, 600 years before crucifixion was invented, it depicts a person crucified. It's very, very clear. Acts chapter 2, verse 31, it says, And he, David, 
it speaks of, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. David was a prophet. David looked forward and pointed to a crucified and risen Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to move into the New Testament. The Lamb and the Gospels, one of the greatest statements ever made by a man. John chapter 1, verse 25, and they asked him, this is John the Baptist they asked, and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered and said, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was uh, baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And again, the next day, another day, John was standing with his two disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. We don't have the Lamb just identified as a person. We have him identified as a particular person. It is Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. There is no other Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I love this because he takes away the sin of the world. Everything written about him previously culminates in this moment when it points to him. He is the Lamb of God and he will take away the sin of the world. Takes away, bears away, removes it, carries it away. Does that remind you of that scapegoat? He carries it away. He takes it away. Psalm 103, verse 12, another, another chapter we read quite often in the breaking of bread. Why? Because it's such a comfort to know that we have been saved, that our sins have been taken away. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We will never meet up again with our sin. They're gone in Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, I... Even I am the one who wipes out your transgression for my sake, and I will not remember your sins. We read this morning that they are cast into the depths of the sea. Amazing. It's amazing. Our sins have been taken away. Praise God. If you have not come to him, if you have not accepted that this morning, you need to do that today. You need to do that without any delay. Your sins have been paid for. Why not? Put that on your account. Why not accept that? Now we get into what J. Sidlow Baxter in the book, uh, The Master Theme of the Bible, calls the finalities of the Lamb. I'm going to spend a little bit of time going through Revelation, and people say, oh, Revelation, oh, that's so hard, that's such a hard book. Well, if you're not reading Revelation regularly, you're missing the blessing, because it says... It says, blessed is he who reads the words of this book. So I try to read Revelation at least once a year. It's, it's, it's a wonderful book. Oh, but it's so hard to understand. No, not really. You open it up, you pray, Lord, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. As I read this, please reveal Jesus Christ to me, and you will find him through all the pages. He will open up your... The problem we have, here's the problem we have when we get to Revelation. So many people have gone down the road of conjecture. And they say, this means that, this means that, this, without, and they, they, they preach it with like great authority, but not really knowing for sure that that's what it actually means. Like, this is a picture of 
the Catholic Church. This is represents, you know, the Holy Roman Emperor. This blah 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 all through these years. And the problem is, when you read that, you think, okay, I'm not getting those pictures out of it that I should be getting. That everybody else seems to pull out of it. Well, the problem. Don't read the Bible and look for conjecture. Read the Bible in its simple form, and let the let the Lord of Heaven open your eyes and your heart and your mind to what is written there. So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if I approach revelation, this is the way I try to approach it, as, okay, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Reveal Jesus Christ to me in these pages. I don't get caught up on what grasshopper-looking things coming out of the pit are representing. I don't get caught up in what happens when this happens, or who is the guy who's going to make everybody take the mark? It's <laughs> a lot right now, and kind of campaigning for that. But you, so I mean, you, you don't you don't don't get caught up in that. Just read the Book of Revelation and ask the Lord to open your heart and reveal Jesus Christ in the Book of Revelation to you. It's a very valuable book. It's a very encouraging book. All right, I'm going to breeze through the Book of Revelation. So first of all, we see the finality of the Lord Jesus Christ the lamb in his position. Revelation chapter 1, 5 rather, verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, worthy, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth, under the earth, was able to open the scrolls or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood, what? A lamb. A lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to the earth, to all the earth. And he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals. You were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And I looked... Oh, sorry. Too far. And I, and I looked... Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are in the sea all that is in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him. We see a future day here where the Lamb is worshipped in heaven. The Lamb is worshipped by four living creatures, by elders and angels, and every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the depths of the sea. Worshipped for what? Worshipped for who he is. He is the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, the Lamb. 
He is worshipped for what he has done. He has redeemed us to God out of his own blood. From every nation, every tribe, every people group, he has, he has redeemed us. Worship because he is above all. It says he is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy of all blessing and honor and glory forever. If we look in Revelation chapter uh, 7, verse um, 9 to 12, we see much of the same language. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In, the, in verse 11 it says, And the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Prior to that they said, and to the Lamb. He is worshipped. Finality and salvation. We see this in, in Revelation chapter 7 once again. Verse 13 to 17. Then one of the elders answered and said to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? And I said to, to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and wash their robes uh, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger nor th uh, hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor the heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to fountains of water, living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Aren't you looking forward to that? I, I, I get tired of, of shedding tears. There has been so much to shed tears about over this last while. I always thought that maybe, you know, you, you cry as a young child a lot. You, you cry growing up as a kid. Now I find myself crying as an old man sometimes. The sorrows that come. Losing friends, losing loved ones. Pain and suffering that people go through. People who have made bad choices and find themselves in, in, ensnared in things. It cause you to weep. But the day is coming when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. I'm so glad. It says a lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. He will shepherd us. He will lead them to fountains of living water. We all thirst, don't we? We all thirst for something. We have a longing. God will fulfill that. The Lamb will fulfill that forever and forever. I don't know if you've thought of heaven these days. I, I find as the days continue, I, I need to think of heaven more. I, I, I kind of love it. If a couple times in prayer meeting, we'd finish off and our brother Warren would say, well, that's one more day and one less day. <laughs> and he's not thinking of the calendar, are you, Warren? <laughs> You're thinking of the time here in the airport before departure. Because we will leave this and we will go to a place that is home. And I'll tell you, I'm glad. I, just, just, as, just as when I've traveled on business and I'm thinking, oh boy, I'm so glad it's Friday because I get to get in that airport and then I get home. I feel right now like I'm just sitting there waiting. Please call my flight. Please call my flight. We want to be home. For the believer, our best days are ahead, not behind. 
A believer should not talk about the good old days. A believer should talk about the great days ahead, the awesome days ahead. For the non-believer, the opposite is true. Tribulation, wars, troubles, and then finally eternal separation from God. Hell for all eternity. It's, it's a terrible thing. You do not have to go there. You do not have to go there. You do not have to experience that. The price has been paid. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Finally, there's, well, actually, uh, finality. Um, but I am getting to finally. There is finality in retribution. There is a great day coming. We often don't like to talk about this, but it is coming. A day of great wrath. The wrath of the lamb. You think of a lamb, the wrath of the lamb? Okay, uh, the wrath of a bull, I guess. The wrath of, of a, a lion, I get. The wrath of a ferocious tiger, I get. But the wrath of the lamb? I mean, you know, come on, they're cuddly little animals. No, no, no. Jesus Christ, the king of the universe, who has watched all that's going on in this world, will set things right on the day of great justice. There is a day, it's called the terrible day of the Lord in some places. Read with me for a minute. Revelation chapter six. And then I looked and he opened the sixth seal. This is Jesus. And behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken in a mighty wind and the sky receded as a roll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place and the kings of the earth the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who will be able to stand? There is a day of judgment coming. It is sure. It is coming. You do not have to be there. The justice the day of justice is coming for the unbelieving world. You have an opportunity to escape. You can flee from the wrath to come. For the believer, we have already been delivered. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. For the, world, uh, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. Verse 9 says, For they themselves report how you turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, who he, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescued us, rescues us from the wrath to come. If you come to Jesus Christ, you are rescued from the wrath that is to come. Finally, finality in rule and, and, and victory. It says that these will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them for he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Revelation chapter 19. I'm getting close to 22, so I can't believe this, but I'm actually getting close here. Um, 
Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and Righteous, and he judges and makes war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name that is written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. We know that from John chapter 1. That it, the word of God, it is no, no one other than Jesus Christ. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword with, uh, that he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He is going to rule. And he, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and, and Lord of lords. Amen. The one who is coming is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it is none other than the Lamb of God. And then we read of the finality in judgment. We read, remember when we started, we said about the book of the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world? It says in Revelation chapter 20, I remember before I came to know the Lord, these, these verses greatly, greatly troubled me more than any other verses in all of Scripture. It says, Then I saw a great white throne. I almost have them memorized. And he who sat on it, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and hell, Hades, delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of the fire, lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone who was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. A terrible day of judgment. But Jesus Christ is the judge. He has every right to judge because he has provided with his own blood Salvation for every soul. You do not have to stand here at this day of judgment. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, which cheers the heart of every believer. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses and having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having it nailed, having nailed it to the cross. I'm so glad the Bible says that the handwriting and ordinances that were against us, all of our trespasses and sins and failures, they've been blotted out by the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, the pages and pages and pages containing my sins are now illegible. They're illegible because they're covered with the red blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. My sins are gone. My sins have been taken away. They've been cast into the depths of the sea, never to return. Now, finally, <laughs> he will have finality in all things. I'm just going to read these verses. I know I read a lot of scriptures today. I want the Bible to speak for itself. You don't need my opinions. You don't need what I have to say or what I think. The word of God will speak for itself. Here is the day that we all are looking for and longing for if you're a believer. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ and this will be yours.
and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and there was no more sea. Stop there for a second. No more sea. Huh. What did we read this morning? Where are my sins? In the depths of the sea. I'm so thankful that in the new Jerusalem we will be so far from the depths of the sea. Those sins will never come back to plague us, never come back to haunt us. There is no more sea. Then I saw, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven for, from God, prepared for, as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there should be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There should be no more pain. The former things have passed away. He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said to me, Write these words, uh, right, for these words are true and faithful. Isn't that amazing? God says, write this down. This is true and this is faithful. You can go to the bank on this. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. These are titles of Jesus Christ. Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. I will give the, fount the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Are you thirsty this morning? Is there a thirst in your soul that you have not been able to satisfy with anything in this world? You can have that thirst satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, he showed me a pure river. Uh, this is in Revelation 22, verses 1 to 5. A pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits each tree yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, and no need. No, uh, they need no lamp, nor light of the sun. The Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And you can say amen. amen. Thank you. At the end of all of this, at the end of all of the scriptures, we started off on a dark day. We started off with, has God surely said? Look at the very last words. He who testifies these things says, surely I am coming quickly. That's in red because Jesus Christ has said those words. Surely I am coming quickly. Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you as we look at the scriptures from beginning to end, and we see, we see its theme is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who died for us. Lord, I pray for anybody who's here this morning who does not know him, anybody who's watching online or who may watch later or listen on SoundCloud, Lord, I pray that they will turn their hearts to the living one, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died and gave himself for us. We thank you in his name. Amen. I put my last two questions up.